Welcome to The Meeting Room, a place to gather and discuss all things relating to meat safety, quality, and production. In the last week in the United States, over 544 million pounds of beef were produced. The average choice select spread for this week, as reported on the 13th by Cattlefax, was $12.84. This means that choice carcasses were worth $12.84 more per 100 pounds, or 12.8 cents per pound more than select carcasses. So for an 850-pound carcass, that's about a $110 difference per carcass. One year ago, the spread was $20.87 per hundredweight, or about $177 per carcass. In the news this week, Vermont Technical College received a $250,000 grant from the Working Lands Enterprise Initiative. The funds will go towards developing a certificate program as well as non-credit programs in the meat processing area. According to Meeting Place, the nation's first nonprofit federally inspected meat packing plant will be opening in Montana in June. The plant will take animals donated from local farmers and ranchers and process the product, as well as work with charitable groups to distribute the product to food banks in 36 counties. They anticipate that most of the product will come from non calf producing heifers as well as call cattle. At full capacity, the $2.5 million plant will process about 300 animals per month. In the last year, shares of Beyond Meat have lost over half of their value. Compared to its all-time high, Beyond Meat is currently down 87%. And according to values reported by CNBC, volume of plant-based meat has fallen by nearly 6% in the last year. Welcome to the meeting room. My name is Brianna Boosman, and I'm glad to have you join me this week. To get us started, I want you to imagine that you're buying steaks for your family, and you walk up to the meat counter at the grocery store, and you're trying to decide which package that you want to buy. Ask yourself, what is it that you look for? And I know that some of you listening maybe have never actually looked much at the meat counter at the grocery store. Um, I know it really wasn't until I was in grad school that I spent much time looking at the meat counter. I've been very fortunate to grow up always with meat in the freezer, and every year um, or whenever I get the chance to teach a class or work with a group, I ask them how many have actually had this experience, and most people that I work with have actually just grown up with meat in their freezer. So if that's the case for you, First off, I recommend looking at the meat counter next time you are grocery shopping, but otherwise just think about when you're pulling out a steak from your freezer, you've let it thaw, you're getting ready to grill it, what makes you excited to eat that product? What are some of the things that you look for? Um, One of the things that you may have said was marbling, and that definitely is going to be a top factor, um, giving you an estimation of how good it's going to taste. But for many people, one of the first things that they take into account, and it it might not be something that first comes to your head, but it definitely is a huge factor when you're actually looking at the product, is the color. And in fact, one of the primary factors for discounting product at the grocery store is because of its color. 
Most of the time, people will purchase something based on color, based on uh, that combination with color and marbling, just its general visual appeal, and they'll come back to it based on how good it tastes. Um, and specifically looking at how tender it was is one of the reasons people come back. But although the product may be perfectly safe, it might be nutritious, likely will still taste really good, off-color is off-putting to many consumers, and honestly, it is to me too. Um, if you expect to have a bright cherry red ribeye, and it may have a slight brown tint to it, or even if it has a gray spot here and there, likely it's not something that's going to be very visually appealing to you. Um, and even if it's still consistent in its overall color, if it isn't that bright cherry red, if it's maybe uh, more of a dull color or it's a little bit darker red, if it has variation in what you're expecting, it may cause you to go away and look at a different product. And this variation in meat color can be caused by many different factors, and we're going to talk about some of those today. So first off, it's important to understand that meat gets its color from the myoglobin that is present in muscle tissue. Now, don't turn away when I talk about something like myoglobin. I'm not going to get that science-y. Um, I'll talk about it a little bit, but it's nothing too intense. But myoglobin, um, if you think about it, one of the common things that you're maybe more familiar with is hemoglobin, which is what gives your blood that red color. And myoglobin is really similar. Um, it carries oxygen throughout the muscle, and it's what's responsible for giving that red color that we really associate with meat. Here's a fun fact for you today. When meat is thawed, it's a combination of that myoglobin that gives it the red color and water that are released and create that kind of liquid. If you say you put a, a package of steaks on a plate in your fridge, keep it in your fridge, not on the counter, to thaw, there's likely going to be a little bit of puddle of liquid. Um, people often say that that's blood. It is not blood. It's myoglobin and water, and it's called purge. And so different muscles can have different amounts of myoglobin, depending on what that muscle was used for. So the more active those muscles are, the more Myoglobin is present because that muscle requires more oxygen. The level of myoglobin that's within that muscle can vary based on muscle fiber type as well as maturity of the animal. So first off, we're going to talk about muscle fiber type. And so different animals, different species can have different types of muscle fibers based on what they're used for, as well as different locations in the body. And so uh, traditionally, there's two different muscle fiber types that we look at. The first one is type 1, and um, this type of muscle fiber is used for long-term locomotion. And so a good analogy for this is a cross-country runner. So um, those muscles are going to be continuing to fire. They're continually active. Um, they need consistent oxygen. They need a consistent energy source. And so because of that, they have a higher level of myoglobin. They need more oxygen consistently to those muscles. Cattle have predominantly type 1 muscle fibers, and these are also known as slow-twitch fibers. And so if you think about that, um, cattle are locomotive animals. 
They're consistently walking to get to water, feed sources, especially if they're on range or pasture. Um, Even if they're in the feedlot, they're still walking back and forth. Oftentimes they're standing. There's a lot of weight on those muscles that they're supporting. And they need a high level of myoglobin to support that and to get that bright cherry red colored product that we typically associate with beef. Type 2 muscle fibers, on the other hand, are used for short bursts of energy. And so we thought of a cross-country runner when we thought of the long-term locomotion. For those short bursts of energy, we're thinking of a sprinter. Uh, And they typically need less amounts of that myoglobin because they oftentimes use glycogen, or a sugar energy source, within the body um, as their burst of energy that they need. And these are known as fast twitch muscles. They're going to be firing quickly. Um, And this is a common muscle fiber type that we see in chickens. And we can even see further variation between um, the type 2 fibers. We're not going to go into that today. It is not necessary. Um, But typically, if you think about a chicken, especially those that are raised in confinement, they really only need a short burst of energy. Um, Those that are in cages often don't even need that, but if they need a short burst energy, maybe to roost or to run for a quick period of time, but um, they don't necessarily always need to sustain that. And so since they have less levels of that myoglobin, their product is typically lighter colored, still has a pinkish tint, um, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about the um, dark versus light meat here shortly. But the muscle structure within an animal isn't strictly one muscle fiber type or another. So beef aren't only type 1 muscle fibers. They're not all the exact same. We see some differences between a ribeye and a round steak, even somewhat in that color. And so they can have a combination within their system. So if you're thinking a difference between white versus dark meat, Chickens are a good example of that variation. Their legs and thighs are used for sustained movement. So they're continually holding up that animal. They're consistently walking and they need a consistent oxygen source. The wings and breasts, on the other hand, are fast twitch. They're used for a quick getaway when that animal needs a quick burst of energy. And this demonstrates the need for different um, fiber types within that muscle makeup. And even breed and production style can cause differences within these. So, for example, if you look at the meat from a farm-raised turkey that are not required to be very mobile, um, they don't need a lot of sustained locomotion to get food and water as things are provided. And if you compare that to uh, meat from a wild turkey, they cover a lot more ground, they engage their muscles a lot more, And they produce a meat that is much darker in color and really has a very, very different look to it compared to their farm-raised counterpart. And they're both turkeys, but there's differences within their breed. There's differences within their diet, their environment, all of those characteristics that can have a big impact on what the final product that they produce can look like. So in addition to muscle fiber type, there's other factors that can also impact the color of the final product. So one example is maturity of the animal. 
And as an animal ages, more myoglobin, or again, that oxygen-carrying product um, that makes meat red, is present and gives meat a more red color. This is especially evident in beef animals. So veal, or the meat that is produced from a young calf, will often be a pinkish color, whereas uh, meat that comes from a market steer is traditionally that really bright cherry red color that we're used to seeing at the retail counter, Uh, whereas meat from an old cull cow or bull can be a really dark, deep red color um, that may even have kind of a purplish tint to it that may not be as appealing to the consumer. And that's just because it's a different color, just because it may not be as visually appealing does not mean that it is unsafe. Okay, I need to preface with that and I'll talk a little bit more about it. Um, But as that animal ages, they're using those muscles for a longer period of time. They're continually getting oxygen to those muscles. They need more myoglobin to sustain. It creates a darker color. And um, I tell my students a lot that cattle, when they go to a packing plant, they don't go with a birth certificate. The ear tag does not count. Uh, But we determine the age of a carcass based on their physiological sign of maturity. And so if you think about people, we show physiological signs maturity. We may start to develop wrinkles. We may start to get some gray hairs. We may start to slouch a little bit more when we're walking. All of those things are physiological signs of maturity. And in a beef animal, specifically when you look at the carcass, there's signs of maturity Looking at their skeleton, we see ossification of different bones, um, but we also can see a sign of physiological maturity in the color of the meat that they produce. And so oftentimes, meat from these products, or from these carcasses, as I said, perfectly safe, likely can still taste great. They still, um, especially if you think of some of the coal animals that Um, Maybe it was a three-year-old cow, which is still pretty young, um, who lost her calf and then was put on a higher energy diet to allow for um, some more of that marbling and that sort of thing to occur, created a really high quality product, was still a little bit darker in color, not super visually appealing, still is going to taste great. And so a lot of times these products can go into food service um, or basically into a way where it's a product that's still consumed but not necessarily something that a consumer would see before purchasing. So if you think about um, food service either being restaurants for even the more mature animals could be things like um, school dining, so like university steak night. If your school had a steak night at your um, university or college you were attending, likely that's not coming from a 20-month-old steer that was prime. It's likely coming from an older animal, still could have been decent quality, um, but likely had a darker colored lean, and so on in this way. Also, if you're seeing like prime rib night at a casino that's really, really cheap, it's likely coming from, again, one of these older animals. Again, perfectly safe, probably um, is going to taste really good too, but just may not be as visually appealing. 
In addition to that, pre-harvest factors, including diet and stress, can also have an impact on color. So when an animal is harvested, I'm going to get a little bit sciencey here, but I won't get that much, I promise. Okay, so when an animal is harvested, the muscle goes through natural changes to convert from muscle to meat. Yes, that's right, you heard me correctly. As soon as you harvest an animal, it does not immediately turn to meat. There's actual some science uh, that occurs to create your steak. And it's not science in a lab, it's naturally occurring processes. So one of the major changes that occurs is a change in pH or the acidity level. And so um, if you think about like acidity level, uh, pepperoni is more acidic than a steak. That's something that actually is done by human processing, but just to kind of compare the two. So living muscle tissue has a nearly neutral pH of about 7.0. When an animal is harvested, the pH naturally declines and the meat becomes slightly more acidic or a pH of about 5.4. And if it gets too far off of that 5.4 level, it can create major problems in holding moisture Um, It can create color problems. It can create more and more of these quality issues. And so one of the big things that can impact how that pH decline occurs is stress prior to harvest. And um, I I won't go too deep into the science of how that stress actually can impact it. I believe, actually, there is an episode week 10 so look back on episode 10 if you want to learn more about the stress that's called high stress steaks and it really talks about how stress impacts the final product but I'm not going to go into all of that today but anyway stress can impact the rate of pH decline and can cause variation in color in beef long-term stress can lead to a product that is what we refer to as a dark cutter which means that the product becomes almost purple in color, really, really deep, dark color. Um, And additionally, that cut retains moisture. So it's not going to be very eye appealing, but because of that high moisture level, if you would cook this product, it likely could be very juicy. But again, because of that higher moisture on the downside, it likely has a higher propensity for bacteria growth, causing a shorter shelf life. So there's pros and cons, but a lot more cons to a dark cutter. It's not something that we want to see. can really, really hurt the value of that product as well. Now, pork, on the other hand, shows the effects of stress quite differently. Stress in pork leads to a product that is pale in color. It's soft, so it really doesn't hold its shape, and it's exudative, so it loses moisture. And so if you were to cook that product... It would be really, really dry, um, likely have a very odd texture, and would just be um, really not good for consumption. These products can go into some like further processed products, so thinking again like those pepperonis, salamis, that sort of thing. But if that's done, there has to be a lot of adjustments made to make sure that they don't hurt or impact that final product as well. And so this is just a note. Um, that because of this, stress is very much kept in mind when handling livestock. 
That's why programs like BQA Beef Quality Assurance and PQA Pork Quality Assurance have been put into place uh, to ensure that animal handling and animal welfare is a top priority uh, because not only do we don't want to create products that people don't want to consume, but animal welfare is just very important and we want to make sure that that's at the forefront of our minds when we're producing these animals and raising these animals. Okay, so the last one that we'll talk about today is that the color of meat can also change based on oxygen exposure. So if you've ever seen raw meat that is in a vacuum sealed package, or even if you've ever um, cut into or like opened up the center of a package of ground beef, you may have noticed that it has kind of a purple color. And this is called deoxymyoglobin which means that the oxygen, so D means that it's gone, oxys, oxygen. So it means that the oxygen has been taken away from the myoglobin. And since that myoglobin needs oxygen to turn red in color, without it, it turns purple. And so once you open up that vacuum sealed package, so maybe you buy steaks vacuum sealed, once you open that up, you likely notice that that bright red color returned. Additionally, once the cuts have reached their maximum oxygen exposure, we'll say, they begin to turn kind of a brown color, which is known as metmyoglobin. And this is also just a reminder that color does not equal safety. So too much oxygen, once it starts turning kind of that brown color, does not mean that it's unsafe. Um, It may lead to some off flavors if there's been some of that oxygenation of fat, um, that again is a topic for a different day, but it still likely is good to eat. And so when I was in grad school, I actually got to help with a project that looked at color in top round steaks specifically. And because of their makeup and muscle type, they often only have about a 24 hour period in the retail case before they discolor. And in some stores, that's fine. Some stores turn over their case Um, in 24 hours or less, but others maybe have to hold for 48 hours. And so if you're having to discount that product after 24 hours, that could be an issue. And so oftentimes if you're at the store and you see that a cut has been discounted, likely it's because of its color. It does not mean that it's unsafe. If it was unsafe or questionable in its safety, the store would not sell it. And so don't hesitate to buy the discounted product if you're going to cook it right away. I shouldn't say cook it right away, but typically if it's discolored, it means that it's been out for a little bit. So you may have a shorter time frame at home, Um, but don't hesitate it. If you're cheap like I am, um, it might, might be a good opportunity to get yourself a good deal. So in addition to these factors, genetics, uh, sex, harvest methods, and more can all impact product color. And although not all variation in color is a negative thing, um, so if you're thinking about muscle fiber type, the white versus dark meat, that's not a bad thing. It's just something that's different. Some of it may be an indication, though, of a problem. So if you think of the pre-harvest stress leading to a dark cutter um, or pork that is really pale, Understanding the production process is really important as it can help you identify what the cause of the color variation is and specifically for maybe some local lockers and that sort of thing Um, or if you're raising meat for yourself, 
determining what you can change at home to be able to improve that product further is, is a great step to be able to take. So now you're back at the meat counter. Um, again, if you're looking for beef, you're looking for that bright cherry red color. If it's pork, you're hoping for something that's more reddish pink. And if it's lamb, you're looking for something that's more pinkish red. Try to keep all those straight. <laughs> but these are all indicators of great products. And hopefully now you have a better understanding of how these differences came to be. And also maybe an idea of where you can get a deal when you're at the meat counter. So with that, thank you for joining me this week in the meeting room, and I look forward to visiting with you again soon. The views, information, or opinions expressed in the meeting room are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent those of their employers, including the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and others.